0: name is mercer and you're listening to the confidence fighter i'm so pleased to announce that we have recently won a silver award at the british podcast awards this was totally unexpected and thank you for all your support if you want to learn more about my podcast you can follow me on instagram at the confidence fighter i hope you enjoy this episode and don't forget to rate review and subscribe Hello, and today I'm delighted to welcome Amy Owen as our special guest on The Confidence Fighter. Amy, can you tell us a bit about yourself and your story? Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm really grateful
1: to be here. So, um, as you mentioned, my name is Amy Owen, and I um, have a little bit of an unusual background. My parents were missionaries in Africa, so I was born and raised in Kenya. And then I spent some time studying in the US, working i worked in Africa for a little while, and then I've been in Europe working for the last 12 years. And I recently stopped working, but before that, um, my career has been one in which I helped raise money for charity. And I've also been doing, more recently, some governance and risk work for
0: global charities. When did you find out about the cancer and how? So... When um,
1: I was actually traveling on a trip to the U.S. for work, it was June of 2017, and I um, was in bed and I felt a lump in my breast, and I wasn't looking for it, but it was quite sizable, so I felt it. And when I got back to London, I saw my GP, and then she referred me right away to a um, uh, Um, get a a mammogram and get some tests run. And I did that. And um, within about two weeks, tests sometimes can take a while, but within about two weeks, they were able to confirm that I had stage three C breast cancer in my left breast, um, which came obviously is quite a shock. I think I'd had a cyst before once many years ago, felt similar. And it turned out just to be a cyst. So that's what I thought was going to happen when I, I actually went in over my lunch break to get the, res, the results. And um, I was a bit surprised when I walked out and found out I had cancer.
0: Can you tell us a bit about your journey of treatment on cancer?
1: Yes. So when, um, a, when you're diagnosed with stage 3 cancer, it usually means that the, the primary tumor itself Has traveled somewhere else in your body, usually in your lymphatic system. So, in my case, I had several lymph nodes that were also cancerous. And so, they begin what they call systemic treatment, which is usually through chemo. And so, I did six months of chemotherapy, which targets your whole system. And the hope is that, you know, there may be stray cancer cells that have floated around your body. And it's supposed to zap all of those. And then um, I did a month of radiotherapy, which is what they call the cleanup job. It's supposed to, again, any any, or any one-off cells that are left supposed to be killed by the radiotherapy. And then I did a very large nine-hour surgery in which they um, did a mastectomy. They removed my breast, and then they rebuilt me a new breast out of my stomach. It was kind of cool.
0: (laughs) When does that leave you
1: now? So that all happened. It took about 10 months of treatment. And I I was off work during that time and focusing just on, you know, the treatment itself, which did make me very, very sick. Um, And so that brought me to, I went back to work in June of 2018 and because I had a very unusual and aggressive type of cancer, they put me on a clinical trial with these special drugs that were supposed to, well, we were trying to, def- to find out is what you do with the trial, if it would help stop the cancer from returning, um, which, which they thought was likely because of how advanced my cancer was. So I did two years of those pills, and they are a type of chemotherapy. Um, and I came to the end of the trial and I stopped them. Um, So that would have been in 2020, April of 2020. And then in June of 2020, so two months, about two months later, um, I discovered that my cancer had come back. So I had very little time between my original diagnosis, all of my treatment, And then the 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 return of the cancer. Whereas for a lot of people, sometimes it could take a few years, um, any you know before it comes back. Whereas mine came back really fast. Again, very aggressive. It had mutated into a new type of cancer um, that was fed by different. My original cancer was fed by estrogen, and this one is what they call triple negative. So it just doesn't respond to hormone treatments, which makes it harder to treat. So. That was in, I got all my official diagnosis, July of 2020, that I had what they now called terminal or stage four cancer. And that had meant that it had spread beyond the original site of my breast into um, all of my lymphatic system and as well into my liver.
0: What have you done since hearing that you are now being cared for palliatively?
1: When I first got diagnosed, they give you what's called curative chemo, which is really strong drugs, and they kind of throw everything at you to try and kill as much of the cancer as possible and hope it will never come back. But when you're diagnosed with stage four, basically what they're trying to achieve is the slowing down or even the stopping of the growth of the cancer. But they also want to give you a good quality of life so that you have um, the energy to see friends, do things that you love, um, still be able to get out and about as opposed to being completely bed bound um, because they know that they can't cure the cancer once it's stage four. That's what's probably going to kill you. Um, But equally, they really want to um, slow down the growth. Because sometimes the cancer itself can also make you pretty miserable, so they want to keep those tumors as small as possible, um, while providing you with with the ability to to do things that you love, um, see people again, you know, be able to get out and about, do some exercise, maybe some traveling, and so for pat. And when we talk about palliative, it basically means it's it's a way. Um, it's about transitioning from again a cure to really giving you some quality of life and taking care of all of you not just the cancer if that makes sense so they um, i have a palliative team that i work with at a hospice group and they help me think about like exercise and even doing massage or um acupuncture and making sure that my house is designed where I live so that I can go up and down stairs easily and not get too tired. Or if I need help with my laundry or, you know, things like that, that, um, as you transition and you get a little bit more sick, it's, it's somebody there to help take care of all of your needs, not just those related to the cancer
0: specifically.
1: Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. How does it feel to live palliatively, and where does your faith come into this? Well, it is a challenge. Um,
1: When I was, um, I had a little bit of a complicated story when the summer, July of 2020, when I found out that I had stage four, my mom had just passed away herself from pancreatic cancer. And hers went very fast. mine has been much of a longer journey, so it was it was quite painful because I knew what was going to happen for me because I saw it happen for her and it was both a great education because I could see I, I can prepare myself, but it was also um, hard because you know what's coming and there's there's a lot of pain that can be involved I think at the end when you have cancer um but um, it also did kind of help prepare me for where I am now. Um, remind, sorry, remind me again of the question. I don't know
0: if I'm answering it right. How does it feel to live palliatively and yeah. where does your faith come into this? So it's, um,
1: it's, it's a very weird thing. I think as humans we all are born and you live a life and then you die. We, we know this in our heads, but I think when you're young um, and I would still consider myself young, um, it's hard to picture yourself dying. So the, the thought that I'm, you know, I'm stage four and I'm approaching death. And when they gave me my diagnosis, they said, I probably had about 18 months to live. It's a very weird thought to go like, and some days I feel really good. I feel fine. I'm exercising and I'm walking by the river and I suddenly realize I I might not live for another year or this might be my last um, autumn or my last Christmas and it's um it's it's a very weird thing to think about. It's sort of And then there are times when I find it surprising because I think well, I had a good day, or I've had a good week, or, or you get, you know, you get into a routine and you forget to think that you're dying, um, and it's also, of course, as humans, I think it's something we don't like to dwell on. We, you know, we like to think about other things, um, so it's a weird place to be. But what I found really great about it is that it makes all of my decisions really easy. Um, so I think do I want to do that? Is it worth it knowing that this is my last Christmas or my last whatever? Like, and do I want to spend time with this person or that person? And do I want to eat that cookie and that big piece of cake, <laughs> which usually is yes. Or, you know, do I want to go on this trip? Or, um, you know, all of those things are really, it's very clarifying for you. Um, and I have, I have this amazing faith. I'm a Christian and um, have been since I was a little girl. And I have found great deep comfort in my faith in the light of knowing that I'm going to pass away sooner than I would have expected. Um, there's also some anticipation. I'll get to see my mom sooner. I believe, so I do believe in heaven, and I believe that there is a, um, another space and a place for us to exist spiritually that's beyond this life that I think has been very profound for me in, in, a, in bringing me both comfort um, in a day-to-day sense, but also comfort in the midst of what I know is going to be probably
0: a painful passing. I'm sure people are always offering to help. What are the right things to say and do?
1: Well, that's such a good question. Um, and what I have discovered, and I'm on lots of Facebook groups, and I belong to some other cancer groups, is it's different for everybody. And what some people find comforting, some people find not comforting. And um, so it's kind of hard to say, but I will say this, that Um, showing up is really important. Like um, if you're thinking of somebody, like let them know, send them a text, drop by with flowers, offer to help. Like I think practical things are really nice. Like even if it's as simple as offering to fill someone's car with petrol or get groceries or offer to come over and change somebody's sheets, it sounds all very boring, but the less energy you have each day, those things become really important. Um, I've had so many friends who've sent me cards and flowers. To me, I love flowers are, are really special to me. So I love getting flowers. Um, lots of people send cards, which have been, again, really encouraging. I write a little blog and sometimes people will post on their comments for me just encouragement, which is great. Lots of people say they're praying for me. I think I can't imagine how many, but I sort of visualize this big net of of prayer underneath me that keeps me uplifted, which I think is really encouraging. I think things that are unhelpful are when people tell you their stories, like, oh, yes, my grandmother died of cancer. (laughs) Or, (laughs) um, Or they try and compare um their own maybe situations to yours, which which I think is very unfair because everybody's even everyone's cancer journeys are different. But having cancer is not like having a cold. <laughs> Sometimes people think it is. Um, that's very different. Um, and I think I think when people what I find most difficult is when you talk about it and people shut down and they they it's like you bring it up and then they just stop talking and they look away and they feel very awkward and i find that most difficult because i think i've been vulnerable and honest to tell you that i'm sick and i what i want from you is to hear what i'm saying and to ask me about my situation and engage with me so that those are a few things i
0: would say what advice would you give to your 13 year old self?
1: Boy, that when I read that question I thought,
0: I don't know,
1: that's a hard one but um, I would say that um, that to be kind to, to myself, to be my 13 year- old self, to be um, to remember that life is, is long and that there's lots of great opportunities, but that to take to take all those opportunities when they come. Um, I have looked back on my life and I have very few regrets. I've I've lived lots of different places and I have so many different kinds of friends and I'm so grateful for all those experiences. So I would continue to say to myself at 13, believe in who you are. Um, I was also considered quite feisty as a 13-year-old and in those days labeled a a bit of a feminist. And I would say to myself, go for it, you are all those things. And those things are great things. Um, And I will say that I think that that my feistiness, (laughs) as that word might be, I know, I've seen it on your sweatshirts, which I love, is that's what gives me a lot of my strength right now, to, to persevere, and to, to have made it this far. So hold on to those attributes. They're so important and they'll take you so far in life.
0: When you feel scared, what do you do? And how have your friends supported you? Ooh, it's a good one. So um, a lot of
1: times what I feel so grateful for is that my friends allow me to tell them that I'm scared. Um, and I, And I don't feel like I have to pretend that I'm okay or pretend that this isn't happening or that it's not going to be painful. And that is a wonderful gift you can offer someone as a friend is just to say, it's okay, just as you are. Um, I think it's been, it's been very hard for me because I lost my mom. And I think no matter how old you are, when you're sick, you just always want your mom. and so for me, some of my scary times have been when I wished my mom was here to help me, and just to even today, I thought would have been nice to just have a chat with her, talk about how I'm feeling, and so I think those are my more scary times when i uh yeah, I wish she were here. I miss her um but I find you know there are friends who were listening, and I have other maternal figures in my life. Um, And I think it's really important. What's most valuable is to be able to just say, I am scared and I am afraid. And of course my faith also offers me a lot of comfort in that. But um, I think sometimes saying it out loud makes it
0: so much easier to process. It's not as scary. Do you have a favorite inspirational quote? Oh boy, that's a hard one. Um,
1: it's funny because there was a quote that's from Winston Churchill, and I don't have it right here, but I can find it. And i I think it's as simple as keep going. <laughs> um, I I have to find out if that's if it if I can attribute that to him, but I think it was during the war and. But that's, that's also what I find, even in my faith, just that, you know, there are days when you don't want to get out of bed or, and that's okay, days you can stay in bed, but um, perseverance just is so important, and just being able to just dig deep, find strength in your friends, and um, in whatever might motivate you in that day, and just just keep going. And one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible talks about um, it, it says, you know, the Lord says, you need only stand, I will fight for you, and I will protect you, and I will uphold you. And um, so probably, in terms of my favorite quote, would be the encouragement from scripture that God is on my side, and he fights for me.
0: What is the legacy you want to leave behind?
1: Oh, that's the hardest question. It's such a great one. Um, So I would say that um, for many years, it has been um, a hope and an intention of mine that when I passed away, that people would say two things about me. Um, One is that I was a woman of character. And two, that I was a really good friend, and that I loved deeply, and um, and I've you know I've been sick now for about four and a half years, and and contemplated these things deeply, and I I feel like I can say um, I have I have loved deeply, I have been deeply loved, I have wonderful friends and relationships, and it is the 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 greatest joy of my life. Um, both bringing me joy and and me being able to hopefully bring joy to others. Um, and as for the character part, I think um, I think you develop character over many years and different experiences, and sometimes I think for sure, for me, my cancer journey has has created a lot of character. Um, and another scripture talks a lot about um, the way to build character is through perseverance, um, which, which leads to hope um, and, and character. And I, uh, yeah, so I think I don't, I'm not, it, it sounds a little pompous maybe to say I'm a woman of character, but I think that the cancer has certainly helped to create um, more of a, more character in me and um, more depth, more understanding hopefully more compassion for people more empathy um
0: yeah yeah thank you so much for talking to me today thank you so much myrtle thank you so much for listening if you've enjoyed this episode of the confidence fighter and you're using apple Podcasts, i would really appreciate a rating and review because this means other young girls can find this podcast more easily don't forget to subscribe see you next time